Hello and welcome to Two Fat Expats. I'm Kirsty Rice and together with Nikki Woffert, we're the Two Fat Expats. Now I know this sounds like an intro, but we're not going to do the whole intro. We're just going to tell you that we've been expats for over 20 years. We've got six kids between us. They've all been born in different countries and we love talking about expat dilemmas. That's why we're here. We're here to give you the lowdown on expat life and to discuss our favourite finds, our biggest stuff-ups, and we get the best tips for packing it all in. Nikki Moffat, you're in Hamburg, Germany. I'm in Adelaide in South Australia. How are you going? Well, Kirsty, goodness, it's been a roller coaster of a week here, but the most recent uh, event has been the awarding of an IB diploma in our house, and we couldn't be more thrilled. We're super pumped. (laughs) (laughs) And he did well. He did well. And, Nikki, I know anyone who follows you on Insta, I think you're Nikki Moffat on Insta, aren't you? They can... At Nikki Moff. At Nikki Moff. They can go go and read the beautiful uh, sort of um, what would you call it the big shout out thank you to all the teachers throughout the experience and it was just such a gorgeous little tribute but Nikki I think someone needs to pay tribute to you and your husband Sam because I think what you two have done together over the last few months has been absolutely amazing. In fact, it's probably more than a few months, isn't it? It's probably like the whole, <laughs> the whole year. But, I mean, not everybody got to see the whiteboard with the timetable <laughs> and the fact that either of you would be sitting in the room with Zeke just trying to help him out with the concentration required. And if anyone doesn't know Zeke's, Situation, maybe Nikki, you can give a bit of background of why this is just so such a momentous event for him and you guys. Yeah, yeah, no, it is quite amazing. So Zeke um, is autistic, and he also has ADHD, and he also has other learning challenges um, regarding processing speeds and all sorts of things. So when he walks into a classroom, the academics really are are the least of his <laughs> concerns in that he's got so many other things he has to overcome before he can sort of get on the learning train. So, uh, and that's been a, like a common theme across schools, across countries. And then, of course, putting him in the IB, we were very, we were very cautious because it is such an enormous program and it is such an enormous workload. And the teachers say, you know, this is the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life, et cetera, et cetera. So we did think about it, but then we thought, you know, we'll give it a go and then we might be able to drop out. But then COVID happened and we were smack bang in the middle of it and we didn't really have a lot of options that we could see. So we just banded together in our, in our um, mostly uh, working from home, school from home year that we had. And I mean, we both did, uh, my husband ordered the whiteboard. He thought that was the most important thing because he likes to see things. And, but I have to say the whiteboard was absolutely amazing in terms of, you know, planning out, getting his uh, internal assessments in and his you know, all, all the planning we did for his study. Also my husband, who <laughs> he had like weeks of work off at a time, like he would take a week off and do a week of maths tutoring with Zeke because it was just like maths was the biggest and most amazing lift ever. And Sam had in his heart a mark that he wanted Zeke to achieve <laughs> for maths. And, and his predicted score... That always ends well. <laughs> his predicted score was 
uh, two grades below that. But in Sam's heart, he really thought that Zeke could make this mark. Now, I have to tell you, yesterday when the results came out, Zeke got that mark for maths. <laughs> which so good. I, Cannot. And then because there some other marks he got were quite close to the next level up, like one or two marks, and you can ask for a remark. And Sam, and Sam said, how much is it for a remark for maths? You know, maybe we can go up again. And so you go in and have a look and it said how many marks to the next grade. And he has he was on the very bottom mark for that grade. So it was 16 marks ah. to the next grade. And I said to my husband, I don't think you want to go there, buddy, because you might go down, not up. And so, but anyway, it, it was, we had a, a celebratory dinner last night with the favourite takeaway, uh, Zeke ate carbonara, and he had a rum and coke and we drank champagne. Oh, so that's, that's so that good. It. So good. Well, celebrations all around because I also had the big, big news that my husband made it onto the plane. Oh, absolutely. was fabulous. I think the last podcast we had, we were just waiting, waiting and not getting excited and keeping our expectations low. And then we sort of travelled through that day going, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? So he was due to get on the flight at sort of one o'clock in the morning, his time. And we sat around and sat around and waited and waited and waited and waited and you know, you're just waiting for the basically for the email to come from the airport or the phone call to say you're not on that plane. Um, didn't come, didn't come. He he was as superstitious as me. He hadn't even packed a bag. Like he came home from work, sat down and thought, no, I'm not packing for another couple of hours. I'll just you know watch a bit of the Tour de France and then we'll see. Anyway, got to the airport and yeehaw on the plane, and it was. Amazing. I just can't tell you. It was like, it really was. I wrote it was like Christmas at the time and it really did feel like that, 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 you know, that sort of the tingle that goes through the house that something's going on. And then when we worked out, because when he got to his hotel room, he showed us his view, which was basically a multi-story car park. And we were all like, oh, that's, that's all really a bit grim. And, um, but drove into town to sort of drop some things to him and then thought, hang on, I'll just go into that car park and see if we can see him. And there was this moment where my youngest was like, there's dad. And you could just see the back of his head sort of sitting in the room watching TV. The funniest thing of all of it was like we get out of the car, you know, my youngest texts him, dad, turn around. And he turned around and it was beautiful. And it, it really was very, very hard not to cry, um, just sort of seeing him through the window. What I loved was we kind of waved at him and talked to him, you know, across a, a laneway and then, you know, him, he, because of the Delta variant, there's no balconies, there's no open windows, right? They're yeah. very worried about airborne. And uh, so we said goodbye to him and we went off to the Apple store because I had to uh, have something looked at at the Apple store and we did a couple of jobs and we walked back to the car to go back to the car park and my youngest said I wonder if dad's still there (laughs) (laughs) so pretty sure he will be Uh, pretty sure he's gonna be there for the next 
couple of weeks. Uh, anyway, but it's beautiful. He's there. I've I've dropped off the bicycle when he's got the trainer to put the bike on so he can sit there and ride and ride. I cannot tell you how many policemen and security guards all made exactly the same joke with the bike of, well, where does he think he's going to go in that? You know, <laughs> but it really is one little hotel room with one little bathroom and a desk. Yeah, but I just want to say because I was editing the podcast and listening to you know us talking about we hope he gets on the plane and it was about the time that the plane you know he'd be at the airport so I messaged him and I said I hope you're at the airport right now thinking was that the right thing to do because if the flight was cancelled I'm just being absolutely so awful and then he messaged me back and said what airport (laughs) he's such a jokester (laughs) welcome to my world (laughs) but then I was able to see his um glass of champagne and his little snack he was having in the lounge before yeah. boarding so he sent me a photo so I felt a little bit better after that because I yeah. was like should I do it or should I super glad it, so how many days till he comes home now well he's on day five he's just had his day five COVID test okay and it is hardcore quarantine people don't get hotel quarantine I don't think I definitely didn't um I have said all along that I thought I would love hotel quarantine because I love <laughs> to you know write and read and you know I'm I'm someone I'm quite happy in my own company all those things and then you watch someone doing it where they're washing their knickers in the bath and they're you know waiting for their food to come and every meal they have is kind of just lukewarm because it's made its way up from the kitchen to wherever and it's not maybe exactly what you wanted to eat um and the meals have been a bit, uh, they haven't been great from what I've gathered. But Greg, Greg said, oh, I really understand how our dog feels now because it's kind of like living like a dog because you're just <laughs> you're waiting, waiting for your next meal. <laughs> and then you're, you know, getting all excited, looking under the door. Are they coming? Are they coming? I wonder what I'm going to get. I wonder what I'm going to get. You know, and you, it's sort of, this, he said, it's that same feeling of just always, you know how, you know, the dog sort of st- sits on the front porch and looks out across the yard just waiting and he's going to walk past and what's going to happen? I think that's a little bit what it's like in hotel quarantine. But, yeah, day five. So I think he had COVID test day one, COVID test day five, maybe another one at seven and then another one on the way out. Twelve, and I, I think, yeah. And yeah, then one after you come home, one right? Because after you come home, 17, it, day 17, I think. Yeah, is there five days quarantine after you come home now as well? No. I thought I read that somewhere. Yet. Okay, all right. Yeah. Not yet, okay. but uh, who knows? Who knows? I mean, we're all just waiting now to see because we have the double-edged um, sword of in, in the new four-part, you know, rollout. The government that, plan. The government plan that's really a scam because there is no plan because they haven't given us any dates and they haven't given us any markers of how that's all going to work, but let's not get political. Um, in that rollout, there is talk that in South Australia, which is where we are, that they will change to a seven-day quarantine at home if you are vaccinated because they have proven that if you're vaccinated seven days at home is probably safer than 14 days in the hotel oh fancy that um but i do i also do understand why that would make some people fearful because even within our own house 
It has occurred to me because when Greg went through the Doha airport, it was packed, absolutely packed. He said it was unbelievable. Yeah, um, he said it was like it was just business as usual. He yeah. He said yeah, without the masks, he wouldn't even know it was COVID. Yeah. And um, except when you went past the flights for Melbourne, Sydney and Adelaide. He said when he got to the gate for Adelaide, he thought, oh, my gosh, I've missed it. Like Because, <laughs> because there was no one there. And and it must be the rest of the world must w- walk past and go, where's that flight to? No one's going there. Nope, they're not. Um, but I I did feel because obviously if if Greg was going to get COVID, it would have been at the airport. Ninety eight percent of his workforce is um, vaccinated in Qatar, so I feel very safe with him at work and safe with him, you know, in the compound. Everybody's vaccinated, you know, whatever. But I I don't feel so safe about him being on a plane or being in the airport, you know, with everybody. You just don't know. But um, my kids aren't vaccinated yet, so it's like yeah. I'm halfway there. I've had my first shot waiting for the second, but it was like, yeah, wh- what if he did bring it home and it was home quarantine and how do you keep him right away from everybody else? I understand yeah. how I keep him away from the general community. How do I keep him away from my kids and me? Like, sure, we can put him down in the room down the end, <laughs> but... You know, we all know with his own bathroom, and yeah, he would put have his meals at the door. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I do. So I do understand why people are fearful. It comes comes back to exactly the same conversation every time. We all need to be vaccinated because yeah. then nobody will care. Because once we we're all vaccinated, yeah. we won't be worried. So let's hope maybe I can get all of my children vaccinated by Christmas. Who knows? 100%. Okay, Kirsty, let's move on to our expat questions of the week. What do you have? Okay, Nikki, uh, I might be a bit soft this week, but I've done hard questions in previous weeks, so this one's a little bit more. This is this is a bit light. This is expat light. I want to know because you are leaving Hamburg hopefully in the next two weeks, right? Uh, two to three. Let's put it there. Two to yeah. three. So I want to know what won't you be leaving Hamburg without? And the reason for my question is that You know, when we lived in Libya, I knew I had to have one of the shisha pipes that they had there. And when we were in Jakarta, it was all about the beautiful, you know, Indonesian furniture. And and in Malaysia, it was about the Selangor pewter. You know, you you had to grab a piece before you left. So what is it in Hamburg that you, you couldn't leave without? Well, that's a really good question. And it comes down to, again, the fact that I don't really feel like we're leaving because we're just mm. going four hours down the road. So I don't feel a, an urge to assess, you know, what is essentially mm. Hamburg and then what I must have and what I must not have. I have to say there's there's three or four things that come to mind. One is my Dirndl because let's face it, even though we don't live in southern Germany, when, you, when, you, when you've lived in Germany and you've attended <laughs> Oktoberfest events, you should have a Dirndl. So yes. that's fine. Um the second thing is uh, Christmas market mugs. So every year when you have the Christmas markets and, and you get your glue vine or whatever warm, punchy drink you're drinking, um, they have – it's like a theme and you can either 
get the mug and then give it back and get sort of a, a like a deposit back or you keep the mug when you when you're finished with it or, or have more drinks with it and then you take it home so every year you can essentially get a new set of christmas market mugs and that is really one of the things that you know when people come to clean out my cupboard when they're clearing out my house after my funeral in 50 years they will say what is with these mugs? Like, why would you keep all these disjointed, not a set of six things going on? And it's just because it just reminds you of that night, or that occasion or that event or the people that you're with and, and yeah. the Christmas market. So, so that's where I'm at. And the other thing that I really am glad um, that I have is a little set of Hamburg uh, Christmas decorations. So uh, last year, the school was really, it was very hard to raise money because there was no in-person events. And so every grade took on sort of a fundraising plan and grade 12 uh, parents sold Christmas decorations and they were Hamburg specific. Um, and sort of red and white is are Hamburg's colours. And, you know, so there's these little sort of decorations a little vw car and also just a, a little ball with hamburg on it and i just think that you know your christmas i don't have a themed christmas tree where every year i change and it's different or whatever like i just have all the decorations that we've got from all the different places that we've lived and so i am very very happy to have our christmas decorations so Kessie, if you were going to leave qatar what would you put in the bag or the container or the suitcase? Mm, that is really tough because, and this is a constant conversation in Qatar, is that not a lot gets made in Qatar. So there's all the oh. little gift shops and things, but a lot of them tend to be from Syria or from India or, you know, Beirut Um it's really difficult to find something that is completely and totally unique to Qatar. So I think in that case, it would have to be photos, uh, you know, an artist's yep. impressions, um, that sort of thing. I think that's what I'd get. Qatar is a particularly beautiful looking city. I don't know if you've seen it, Nikki, the skyline, and particularly at night. It is really pretty and I think a lot of the Middle Eastern cities, the reason they are so pretty is their architecture is uh, there is old, old, old and then there is um, oil money new. Do you know, so yep. in Qatar, well, in their thing, it's it's uh, natural gas new, but um, a lot of the a lot of the buildings were architectural competitions. You know, where people came in and won competitions to design certain buildings. And so, one of the things I remember when our kids were little, we'd fly into Melbourne, and the kids would ask us all the time. Why are all the buildings in the city just straight up and down? They didn't understand because <laughs> they, you know, the they weren't just, the result of competition. <laughs> yes. Whereas the um, architecture and the skyscrapers in Doha, they're all amazing, you know, and all of them have their own special names because they all have special looks about them. And I keep thinking of something particularly rude that I can't say. There is one that is particularly phallic that you can imagine its name. Um, but at night time too, the lights, are just spectacular so I think I'd be going for that some sort of city skyline thing uh, but there are also there's a lot of books 
that people have written um yeah, I, I my neighbour Bonnie was famous for her. You know, you've lived in the Middle East when, and it, and she mm-hmm. had a collection of photos and comments and whatever. It became a big leaving leaving gift, you know, from the team or from the school or from the office. So I think that's what I'd go for. Whereas in all the other places I've lived, there has been something that's been in Calgary. It was cowboy boots. I got my boots from oh, yeah. Alberta Boots. And, yep. you know, I've still got them. Yeah, there's always been things, but that's been the thing with Kata. There's no sort of factory that you go to, uh, uh, you know, or no yeah. sort of, yeah, yeah. You know, No, I understand that. that. Yeah. Um, Nikki, you know, last week we were talking about uh, what, what was, um, what your country wouldn't give up. Yes. We talked about um, what what your country couldn't go without, and I was saying because in Australia they did everything they possibly could to keep the football going, and they still continue to do that. And you were saying that in Germany you felt they had a really hard go at um, keeping the Christmas markets before they just had to give up. And you mentioned the tradition in Denmark of the buses and the graduation buses, <laughs> which you described incredibly well because then when everybody showed us videos this week... I should say I put the question in the Two Fat Expats group, the Facebook group, after we'd had our conversation saying, hey, guys, what did you struggle to give up? And um, uh, someone put in a video. Uh, So we had Kelly said she was laughing about the comment about football in Australia. Lockdown in Brisbane ended just in time for thousands to cram into the stadium together. But we had to miss camping on the beach in solitude. There have been some very strange rules. Uh, someone else said in France the pri- the priority was to keep the tobacco open, a kind of news agent selling tobacco products and coffee, which is I thought that was very, very French. Someone else said, oh, yes, and the boulangerie. Um, uh, oh, the other thing that someone did point out to me, I just have to say about Germany, is when everything was shut except supermarkets, flower shops were also open so you must wow. be able to have fresh flowers at all times they were the only exclusion at supermarkets chemists and flower shops <laughs> mel said australia definitely struggled to give up complaining but i think the best comment was from someone in the uk who said here in the uk our government struggled to give up their mistresses <laughs> Oh, I thought that was good. Someone else said, in the UK, reopening school for in-person attendance was made a priority beyond everything. And even at the height of the lockdown last year, we still had 15,000 people arriving by air into the country every day. And Nikki, as an Australian, that is just phenomenal to try and imagine um but there was no requirement for those fifteen thousand to quarantine either but the main priorities were inconsistency denial of science and indecision (laughs) (laughs) dear yeah but i really thank you very much to suzanne who posted the picture in denmark of the red bus with the graduating students that was gold but we had people saying that in the u.s the sports were important and I do think the US, I mean, I think the US did a phenomenal job in many ways, but they also kept their sports going without the uh, audiences there. Yeah. And I think that just shows too how how big those TV rights are, 
you know, that are, yeah, because they yeah. can afford to do that. They don't. The stadium is not where they're getting the money yes, to run the sport. Yes, whereas the stadiums in Australia, it's a it's a big deal to get that money. And you forget too, it's not just the stadiums. It's all those people that have those little shops around the stadiums that suddenly they just yeah. don't get that business. Uh, someone said in Poland that it seemed to be the churches. More people allowed per, per square metre than anywhere else. I wish they had chosen schools. Uh, like in my home country of Belgium, a lot of the kids would be would be better off. Uh, I don't mean academically, I mean mentally. Waiting lists for psychological help for kids are impossible in Poland at the moment. Yeah, someone else someone else was agreeing with that. In BC, Canada, strip clubs were open when schools were closed. but then a professional hockey player caught covid one during the regular season he said he only went for the wings (laughs) (laughs) apparently they're really good and then that finally shut them down oh that would be the same here if if it was anything that had affected an afl or a rugby player uh, yeah, that it all gets closed. In India, well, we made sure that religious ri- rituals, especially Hindi ones, went on. The scale in India is always staggering. So only 300,000 dipped in the Ganges this year as compared to double the number last year. Oh, they're huge numbers. They wow. are huge numbers. They're so big. Yeah. Yep. Tourism in Turkey, while citizens and residents were in lockdown, tourists could ramble around with no restrictions whatsoever. Uh, yeah, the UK wasn't keen to give up Christmas, were they? No, and I have to say that people did bring up that about Germany too. Germany did change its restrictions for Christmas on how many people you could see just for like a, a, a seven-day period so people could have Christmas together. Yes. Uh, anyway, I wanted to say thank you to everyone for um, for sharing that with us because it was absolutely brilliant. I loved it. I had a real giggle. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was very, very good. Okay, Kirsty, my question for you. Who is in your expat world telephone tree? So when a significant thing happens, who do you call first outside of family? Although family order is also a consideration. Do you parent, sibling, like what's that order for you? How does that work? Yeah. And, you know, Nikki, it was only when I read this question before that I realised this is why I think we are in such a state of flux at the moment for us because everything is upside down. So our our old telephone tree, I mean, we, we did all of those things. We had the telephone tree on the fridge and we had all the family members that had to get called first and how that would look and what would be said and whatever, we went through it all. And then we had the friends. And honestly, I could think of 10 friends on that list that are all no longer in Qatar. They're just gone. And I think this is where it's going to be really icky when I go back because I think I'm going back to a very, very different world than I left Um, So I think about all the women that helped me out when I had cancer, the people that sat with me at chemo and picked up the kids and did all those things, they're all gone. And so, and and why why this is such a state of flux for us is that, you know, G's gone back there on his own. So he doesn't have me as the get out and meet people and make new friends and get things happening, the conduit. Um, So he's having to do that 
on his own as well, which is hard, or do it through through me saying, oh, this lady messaged me and she said you should go there for a drink. <laughs> and to his credit, he has. He has done that. But, but it's been this weird thing, you know, he's been to a couple of brunches where, you know, I've said, oh, do you, do you think they're our people? You know, because I'm not there. Like, like will I be friends yeah. with them when we get back? Yeah, would that I, work would out I for like us? her? Um, <laughs> so yeah, so our expat world telephone tree is really, really screwed up. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm seeing faces in my mind now at the moment who are back in the US, who are in London, who are in Saudi, who you know, all the people that we would have had. So uh, I would say our expat world telephone tree at the moment is G's office um, because that would probably be where the first, you know, phone call would be made to how do, how do we work out this drama. Um, and, and also, sorry, I will, I promise I'll make this shorter, but also the other thing is I've lost a parent in that time, so I've lost my dad, and my mum's had major heart surgery and things have changed there as well. Do you know, and I only think, you know, only a couple of years ago I happily sent my children off to boarding school knowing that they would on their exit weekends hop on a bus and go down and stay with my mum. And I don't know so much about that at the moment. In the current situation that wouldn't happen because that would be a bit of a burden. Yeah. I'm hoping that's going to change. But, yeah, what about you? What about your expat world telephone tree and especially in the middle of a move? Yeah, so there's a lot of things going on in our world, Kirsty, which you know about, and there's it's a bit more than a move. So um, my my excellent idea to do all my medical checks has ended up in me being in a bit of a pickle in terms of um, now I'm, I'm – sort of down the road a bit in some tests and all sorts of situations. So this came up for me because I was thinking about how um, when you call people, so so when something happens to you significant, like when you had cancer or whatever, when you call people to tell them about it, like, and, and I've discussed this with you too, like in your country you're living in, and as you just said, you know, you can think of Qatar and 10 people who aren't there anymore. You would call your close friends in that country or one or two of them and then they would let the other people know and then that's your support system in that country mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. sort of underway and get getting going. And but then several like a few years before that you were living in another country and you have a, a whole group of friends there that would have been that support system there. And if you were living in that country, you would have called them. But you still consider them your close friends. But do you call them and tell them what's going on or do you – because it's not part of their everyday lives. Like if you were mm. living there, you'd be in their everyday life and they would arrange whatever they would arrange. But you sort of still want to tell them because they're your friends. So I guess I was looking at this from a different point of view in that mm. I've got all these things, I'm waiting for test results, etc. And so there are groups of people that I would want to tell, but then I was thinking, well, how relevant is it to their lives? Like, do they really care? I mean, of course they care. And if, if something was happening to them, I'd also want to know, but it's just a really weird and bizarre feeling to be in this very sort of in-between place where if you walked back into that country, you would still, I would still consider those group of friends, my close friends mm-hmm. and expect to sort of fall in a way back into a, 
you know, a relationship with all of them. Obviously things change, but you leave with this group of people who are so close to you. And then and then you walk away and you sort of keep in touch through social media and occasional phone calls or Marco Polo or video or calls, whatever. But it's just it's just not the same relationship. I mean, it is the same relationship in my mind, but I don't think it's necessarily the same relationship in their mind. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and it's not. It's not. Once you move, it is completely different. But I think this is where you you have to uh, decide exactly what it is you want and need from people, because number one, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be telling anyone until I knew exactly what it was I was telling them. Do you know, because at the moment, yeah. like you said, and I'm sorry for any listeners that are going, oh, my God, what is it? But obviously <laughs> Nikki's had um, some health scares and she's having some tests and she's waiting for some results to sort of know what comes next. And it could it could be tricky and it could it could not. But whatever it is, it's stressful. So I guess you need to... If if there was anyone in your mind where you were thinking, well, they don't care, they're probably not the best people to talk to. <laughs> but if you were thinking, <laughs> if you were thinking, do you know that person was always such a great person to talk to in the time of disaster or a time of crisis? Yeah, they were such a good shoulder. I would give them the whole heads up. Hey, this is what's happening in my world at the moment. I'm a little bit frightened, or. I, I was I, I was thinking how great it would be if you were here to talk to you. I'm just so I'm just reaching out to let you know, and just so people know what it is that that is expected of them. I guess because you can't do the same. Fact you can't go around and knock on their door and and fall in a heap and you know have the cup of tea and whatever. So I guess you've got to help them out a bit with what it is that you you need or want from them and anyone that you're thinking I'm not sure how this would go with them I'd stay away from them right now (laughs) because you know (laughs) that's a good tip so I I think that that's sort of how that telephone tree would work I mean you're in a tricky spot because you don't know what you're dealing with yet or whether it's cause for great concern or just cause to get on and get some things happening and it, and it's going to be a, a blip in your move, do you know, and a pain in the bum. <laughs> it's definitely a pain in the bum, whatever <laughs> the outcome. But, yeah, no, that's true. Yes. And the other thing is is the, is the family calls because you there's a sort of an order that you put in your mind about how you should you should probably tell your parents first because but if it is telling your parents yeah. first the right thing depending on whatever situation your parents are in sort of thing. So, um, yes. And then if you call your parents and they don't answer the phone, <laughs> what, or you leave a message like and then you might wait for days for them to call you back just saying um like do you then call your siblings and say well this is what's going on I want to let you know I've left a message for my you know for dad which is in fact mm. what I ended up doing but it's I just found it very just back in that sort of position where you know you're in this decision making process but it just feels so paralyzing in a way to know what's the right thing to do and what's not the right thing to do and and also mm. I, I remember thinking you know like if this happened to this person who I, I'm just thinking of a person in my head mm. and they didn't let me know it was what was going on I would feel a bit hurt <laughs> like, mm. not hurt no not hurt yeah. because you can't ever feel hurt by someone else's actions because what's going on in their head is what's going on in their head but but just yeah. just 
are upset to miss out, you know, not to be able to check in on them or, or see if there was anything I could do. You know, that's that's what yeah. I mean. And, and you know, that's yeah. more a FOMO thing or just a wanting to be a friend thing. But it's just, I, and so, but, but I don't have space in my mind right now with my packing and, and everything else to sort of, to put that on my list. But I just, it was just a question that went through my head this week and we sort of, and I messaged you saying, you know, it's really hard to think about, you know, people and what who yeah. should know what and when they should know it but yeah anyway that's it I think sometimes when you know there's two different two different fields isn't there because I think sometimes when you're dealing with stuff it's easy to keep your world very small and a lot of people who get very ill they do they keep their world yeah they suddenly 100%. shut down everything yeah and because it's just like no I can't be answering everybody's questions yeah and I can't be doing that right now I just need to get on with me but you're right. I, I mean, I when I found out I had cancer, I, I did. I, I went small, but then I um, decided to write about it and shared it with everyone. You know, it, it's all a process of time, isn't it? And you know that the, there's people that you need to have around you to do to fulfil certain roles for you. Yeah. So if I was you, I mean, you've made friends all over the world. Uh, for the last 20 years I'd pick out the gems of who was fantastic and kept you calm and centred and all of that and, you know, make your little group. I mean, that is one of the things when you get really ill, they tell you to sort of have a have a blog or have a Facebook group or have a whatever because it is exhausting telling everybody every bit of chemo and radio and whatever news or knowing whether you know people want to know all that stuff or whatever it's just easy just to dump it all in one spot but before I panic everybody we don't know what what you're dealing with Nikki yet but we promise that by next week we will know we'll have some test results and you'll know what's going on and we won't sound like we're um so yeah okay Kirsty let's talk about bold statements let's be bold okay so my bold statement the other week was I was going to sign up for the WESET, for the Wine Spirits Education Trust, for the next course along. And I have, I've signed, I'm done, I'm dusted. I start in uh, August next month. So that'll be my next bit. So I'll enjoy this month of peace and then get started into the study thing again. I went and got my neck fixed up. So I'm back on my water rower, Nikki, and absolutely loving it. Um, and so now what I want to do is I've been wanting to do that reformer Pilates for ages, you know, where you've got the machine and you stretch. I, now and you I can see the machine beside the water rower coming yes, the next machine. Yes, you, you know me too well, you know me too well. Um, so, but I want to go and, you know, try it out and see if it really is for me because I just have this feeling that it is going to be my thing. But um Anyway, I went to Studio Pilates and had a look and thought, mm, I don't know about this. And then I heard that there's a physio around the corner who does physio and she has six of the Pilates thingies and you go and you can do a course with her, whatever. So that's going to be the adventure this week. I'm going to go off and go and see the physio and get myself signed up for Reformer Pilates. Um, so that's my bold statement for the week. What about you, Nikki? What's your bold statement? 
Yeah, okay, so I didn't go so well last week, uh, I have to be totally honest, but I did have a few things on my plate. Um, I moved from six of seven to seven of seven days, of which I've done over the past three weeks of my introduction to meditation. But, you know, I think that's progress. Um, it turns out that my husband will be home for another week now, so I can, the things we were going to do in the kitchen and the playroom and the kids' rooms, uh, we can do together. So I'm just going to add another couple of rooms. I think this week weekend I'll be super busy um and so that's that's what we'll be doing there because beautiful that's the plan there three favorite things Kirsty Nikki uh physical apple tv it's got rose burn it is fabulous I think I've rolled five episodes so I'm up to where they're only coming out weekly they you know on Apple TV they do it like remember the morning shows where it would come out every Friday yeah that's what's happening with physical so um I was kind of waiting 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 to get might be something I'd watch with G and then then you thought oh well (laughs) and um he well G seems to have watched a lot of TV and I got to the point of (laughs) actually watch this anyway it is fabulous rose Byrne plays it's set sort of in the mid 80s she plays the housewife um uh husband uh, was uh husband was a university lecturer he's all very sort of 60s free and easy you know they all hate ronald reagan and um you know everyone's still smoking drugs and trying to be very cool and whatever and uh she is a bulimic and so you watch her go through this process of you hear her inner voice constantly of how she sees herself how she sees other people what she's thinking about other people that she sees and then the constant okay when she when she has that little switch gets flicked She's straight to the burger joint, orders three burgers, three large fries, a big chocolate shake, goes and checks into a motel, gets all her gear off, sits on the bed, eats absolutely everything, purges, has a shower, says to herself, I'm never, ever doing that again. Now that that's done, I'm I'm good now, I'll move on. And it's just this constant, oh, constant process. Goodness. Yeah. Um, but it is fabulous the writing's fabulous she's she's so tormented but also there's this underlying thing where she just she's also awful in that she's not establishing relationships with anyone I guess because she's got this great secret so she's beautiful on the outside because she's yeah you know what we would see as you know traditionally beautiful but you know the other the other women that she sees at the play at the nursery school or the whatever she she's not listening to what people are saying to her she's not forming any relationships with people so you can see where she's hurting people because they're trying to get to know her better but she's really not not interested because she's thinking you're fat or you're this or you're that you know you can see it um, and it's all down to this self self-loathing yeah uh anyway she she must be an ex-ballet dancer she pretends to go to ballet but she's not she's going to eat and sit in the hotel so all of that process is she's she's also tearing through the, the family savings while doing it and because it's costing money to buy the food and check into the motel and do these things um 
but she gets sort of sidetracked by aerobics. And so what what I can sort of see where the story is going is that she is going to discover um, making aerobics videos right. and that is going to be her, her way out of it. The husband is just revolting and misogynistic and gaslighting and it also makes you go, this is the 80s. This really wasn't that long ago. But, yes, this is also true. These are the people I watched. You know, this yeah. is this is how women were treated when I probably thought we were really striving yeah. and moving. You go, oh, no, I lived in this world. I know this guy. Yeah. I went out with this guy. Yeah. Do you know, like it's it's good. Look, it's really, really well done. I I. Th- it's it you know it's one of those onions layers and layers um so i loved it um the other thing that i have discovered that i have is really 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 a favorite is city row which is an app that connects to my water rower of course it does (laughs) but nikki here i am in port walunga and the technology just amazes me there is a little infrared light on my water rower that talks to the Bluetooth thing on my, um, you know, my machine, my reader, yeah. my whatever it is. And so all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I'm in New York in a studio where there is actually a studio in New York and it's one of the instructors. But on the bottom of the screen I can see exactly how many metres I've rowed, exactly what my splits are, um, exactly like what my Peloton stroke for rate is. It is exactly like that. Um, but it's on the water rower. And um, anyway, I am loving it. So um, it's $40 a month. But I've used it three times in the last two days because I love it. And I think I might go again tonight. And so you can do the whole beginner program. You can do whatever. And now that my neck's not sore, it's great. So if anyone is uh, contemplating the whole rowing, you don't have to have a water row. You can have whatever you want. But I just think City Row is really, really good. Um, Something exciting that's happening uh, tomorrow, Nikki, is... Two Fat Expats, our footy tipping competition. At the top of our footy tipping competition is a woman called Donna Coghill, who is one of our Two Fat Expats. She is a fanatical Melbourne supporter. Melbourne is playing my team tomorrow in Adelaide and Donna is flying to Adelaide to go to the game and we are catching up for a drink beforehand. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So I'm very, very excited. Um, uh, So, yes, we're actually having a proper two fat expats footy tipping moment of we're going to get oh, together. Well, hope maybe you can do something on the gram, on the Instagram, oh, or share a video yes. to the Facebook group. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and I know I'm cheating with the fourth one, but you and I were just talking about this. Weezer Squeezer on oh, Instagram. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so Weezer Squeezer is Eloise Sophia Eftos, who is brilliant. Um, she's a singer dancer comedian and she's um sharp just so sharp if you want to go and have a look at her instagram account but i had just shared with you nikki she'd done we had the controversy in australia this week or there seems to be one every day but this today's was the private school boys who were given the pfizer in what was uh, what the health minister for that state told us was a mistake and we need to move on and get over it. <laughs> That's 
what he said in his press conference. Move on, get over it. Uh, so the the Pfizer vaccination was obviously meant for the Indigenous um, kids who were aged between, uh, I think it's 16 and 20, not 12 to 16, but semantics. Um, it was for the Indigenous kids and... Uh, Except somehow, the whole of grade 12 was vaccinated. All of the year 12s <laughs> at this incredibly expensive uh, private boys' school in uh, <laughs> Sydney, they all managed to get a, a shot anyway. Uh, Weezer Squeezer, Eloise. She has explains done, how it happened. She, she explains how it happened. She <laughs> plays the role of a South African mother from the school. She's got the accent, I think, down pat. If you're South African, go have a listen and tell me whether you. Oh, no. Uh, I felt like I was back in Durban. I honestly, I had I had to look at other videos to realise she wasn't South African. <laughs> She's clever. Yeah, anyway. Uh, so they're my three. What are your three, Nikki? Okay, well, Kirstie, I've had, well, yeah, all right. So mine have been very, uh, take a mental break. So that's what I've been this week. So I, I don't know, Kirstie, if you've been in into all the, the fuss on Amazon. Amazon released a, a Amazon original movie this week called The Tomorrow War mm. <laughs> uh, with Chris Pratt and Yvonne Strahotsky. One of our uh-huh. favorite Australian actresses. Um, She's also- um, partner of. Um, I'm making a muscle movement I don't, here. I, I actually don't know, but she's in The Handmaid's Tale, and she's also like that's her most recent sort of famous role, big role. Um, it's got J.K. Simmons. It's got Sam Richardson from Veep, the guy, you know, sort of the very. Um, um, cautious guy on Veep who just makes silly statements all the time. He basically plays the same role in this movie. Uh, yeah. But it is, it's filled with stars basically is what I'm saying. And it's about, <laughs> well, if you've seen it, you've seen it. It's about a war in the future. And so they they open a time link to, from the future and come back and get to get soldiers to fight the war in the future. <laughs> and Chris Pratt basically goes to the future and meets Yvonne Strahovski, who's his daughter. And she's grown up and was he works with her. Was this movie made in a, sorry, was this movie made in Australia? I have no idea where it was made. Right. It doesn't look like it was made in is Australia. Is it recent? It could have been. It's a was lot it of green screen. Was it made recently? <laughs> I don't know. It was released this week or last week, I think. I don't know. Anyway, Tomorrow War, it's Aliens, it's Chris Pratt, it's, there are some funny lines in it, lots of good actors, but it's, yeah, I don't know, a lot of green screen, a lot of, lot of alien sketch shot. Anyway, that's what I can tell you about that. The other thing that I was watching, which, come on, Kirstie, I cannot believe that you have not been on to this, is the Netflix original series Sex Life. Now, <laughs> I, have, I have to tell you, I, I have not watched it, but I have seen. Oh, um, you've seen the scene. No, I, well, I haven't <laughs> seen the scene. I haven't seen the scene. What I was going to say I had seen was uh, the the twins from Mamma Mia, uh, Jesse and Claire Stevens. Uh, they have an Instagram account uh, called The Twins Thoughts, I think it is. And I did see Claire Stevens was basically making faces and re- doing reactions to the dialogue in in the show and just how <laughs> appalling 
the dialogue is. Um, but I haven't seen it, but I have heard that there is a rather huge reveal in the show and that is what everybody's talking about. A big reveal. A big reveal. Yes, a big and reveal. So, so there, are con- there are many, many Instagram accounts of people's faces just in the few seconds that this scene actually occurs on the TV. <laughs> so someone videos them watching the scene. Um, look, it's it's the, 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 the tagline of the series is a suburban mother of two takes a fantasy-charged trip down memory lane that sets her very married present on a collision course with her wild child past. That's <laughs> the thing. So it's got um, Sarah Sahi, who was... When you look at her, you know her. You're like, oh, I know you. She was on Chicago Fire and The Rookie. I just looked her up recently. And then the the, the guy from the scene is an Australian actor who just he just is just terrible acting. And he just <laughs> when I look at him, I just think, oh no, it's not good. But um, apparently, he's necessary to have this the particular scene. Now, if you don't know what scene we're talking about, um, go look it up because everyone <laughs> everyone knows about it. I'm not going to lower the tone of the podcast anymore by referring to it. But basically, look, the theme of this is that, you know, you have you have a past and, you know, you might do wild and exciting, crazy sex things in the past and then when you get married your sex life gets a little bit boring and, you know, but you're living a life. You, there's a lot more things going on. You know, you don't have time to sort of be crazy and have sex on the kitchen table all the time. Um, and so one woman uh, reminisces about this when her girlfriend brings an ex-boyfriend to dinner when they're meeting meeting her up with her friend and so then sort of he sort of then becomes in it gets in her head and she starts to write a diary on a laptop that she leaves in the kitchen where her husband can read it about her sex oh. life of the past oh. yeah yeah so yeah it's not I look it's not high quality but the themes actually are very sort of they're they're on point you know they're, they're about. Yeah. That, you know, yes, in your past life you could do all these crazy things, but now do you prefer to be married now or do you prefer to just to have crazy sex with someone? You know, the answer to most middle-aged women is, yeah. yeah. But then, it, then, then it's also... Can you have a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B? <laughs> yeah. Well, that is the question, right? So that is the question. And so, but then there's also this group of like mean mums and, you know, it's the whole thing. They're, they're all there together. It's all very... You know, uh, it is totally, it's for the water rower. It's for the bar, you know, being on an exercise yes. machine. It's for when you're folding laundry. It's not for any sort of lying and deep concentration. Mm-hmm. The other, my third thing this week is also a TV show because it's just a lot of TV in my life. Um, Bosch. So Bosch, there's seven seasons of Amazon. Now, compared to the other two, this is a high quality uh, TV show. Bosch is a detective in Hollywood division in Los Angeles. He lives in this crazy crazy, amazing house uh, that he was able to buy because he was a consultant to some sort of movie. He has an ex-wife who used to work for the FBI as a profiler and she is now a professional poker player because she can profile people and and playing poker, that's a thing. And he has a very um, uh, charming yet um, headstrong daughter. And... Each series, the seven series, each one is about 10 episodes except season seven, which was cut short for COVID, I think. And 
it's got a lot of characters. It's a t- it's a police, you know, it's a police show. It's you know, it builds up the characters. There's all the different types of police detectives in the police station and all the surrounding characters. But they are great characters and they're really good stories. And the show it just has so many threads over one season that it sort of brings all together and really investigates and has surprising outcomes. You know, like what you think is the pinnacle of the episode or the season is not actually. Like there's always something else that's going to happen, it's going to happen. And it's just really well, it's well, it's really, if you like police, police police procedural shows, this is a great one to watch. It's and it's yeah, it's quality. It's quality TV, and it's uh, on Amazon. And now it's finished season seven season, so that's good to have. Um, it's finished now, but there's going to be a spin off because like he's such an edge of the seat detective that he can't keep doing things wrong and keep his job forever. So now he has to now he has to have a new life where he is going to be a private detective. So we'll see. Anyway. Okay, um, we've got we've had two new reviews this week, Nikki, and. Um, I thought I'd read them out for you. So my favourite podcast, this one's from Yuli C72. She's from the UK. She said, it's so good to have Kirsty and Nikki back regularly. These two awesome women have created a podcast that's interesting, funny, witty, uncomplicated, and super relevant to expats all over the world. Having listened to the podcast for many years now, oh, thank you, Yuli. Um, now I look forward <laughs> to the next one every time. We've actually had Yuli, I think, on the podcast where we've, we've talked about Yuli and um, when we've done My Favourite Holidays and things. She says, I love the honesty and the frank discussions about the topics that I can relate to as I'm a fellow expat. In my head, Kirsty and Nikki are friends of mine because we're all sharing the expat life together. Thank you, Yuli. Uh, this one says, thanks, Yuli. Practical, real and supportive. It's from Pick to Reet from Australia. I'm sure that's a oh, picture it, <laughs> but it's with a K. <laughs> I was thinking, I'm sure that's cleverer than what I'm I'm giving it credit for. Okay, picture it with a K. Um, practical, real, and supportive discussions from these ladies. Every single ex episode always makes me feel not quite so far from home after listening, and that's the idea. That's why we're here, and um. That just makes my day, basically, to hear things like that, Nikki. Yeah, thank you very much. That's so lovely. It is lovely. It's so nice. See, Nikki, it's amazing how, you know, you said last week, uh, sometimes you forget there's even people out there listening, right, because we have the Facebook group and we talk within the Facebook group, but we don't sort of reference the podcast apart from just sharing it that once a week and saying, here it is, have a listen, whatever. So, yes, you do forget that everyone's out there. And so it is really, really lovely when people do leave reviews and comments and even if you just want to DM us. And if you ever want to leave us a comment, like a voice comment that we can share, just message us on Facebook within the Facebook group or you can email us. And there's also on the website itself, there's a little microphone there that you can push and you can leave a message because it's fantastic If and I think it's great for community as well. If everybody can hear the messages of what where people are, what they're experiencing, what's going on. Yeah, and in your own voice because it's all very well for Kirsty and I to yeah. read the reviews, but we read them in our voice. <laughs> Maybe you want to put emphasis on different words or maybe you've got different feedback. So please, please, please um, send us a speak pipe or a voice message uh, via DM or to our email at 
twofatexpats at gmail.com. Okay, Nikki, I will see you next week with your promising and happy test results. And I will still, I can't believe it's still even next week. I will not have seen my husband by then, but we'll be that much closer. <laughs> except, through the, except through the car park window. Except through the car park window. Okay, bye for now. Okay, bye.